Welcome to Weight Loss for Busy CRNA Moms. If you are a CRNA, a busy mom, or a busy CRNA mom, or a woman looking to permanently lose weight, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Brittany Kolb from Weight Loss by Brittany. I'm a busy CRNA mom and certified life and weight loss coach. And like you, I not so long ago struggled to lose the weight and keep it off. But once I shifted my mindset and learned how I could use my brain to reach my weight loss goals, everything changed. I was able to lose 40 pounds and knew I had to share the secret with others. I'm here to help you achieve your permanent weight loss goals by uncovering what might be holding you back. Let's get started. Hey guys, I am so glad you were here today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I am just going to dive right in because I have a lot of material to cover here. So um, first I want to start with like so much of our messaging around weight loss is that it is the individual's fault for the results that they currently have. So like if that individual is overweight or obese and they don't want to be, or they don't have control around food, society tells us that there must be something wrong with like that person's willpower or their own self-worth or that they're just inherently broken people, right? I mean, I feel like everyone's like, that's like the messaging that we get. Of course, I do not believe that at all. And in this podcast, I'm going to explain why. But I did believe that about myself for a long time. And most of my clients come to me saying, you know, I'm just not strong enough or I should be stronger or I can do everything else. Why can't I do this? Or something is seriously wrong with me. Or even like, you know, because so many of my clients are women in healthcare, it's like I'm in healthcare and I know everything that there is to know about nutrition and I counsel my patients on this stuff. But like, why can't I get it right myself? So I finally watched this documentary called Fed Up. And if you haven't watched it, it's actually a little bit old, to be honest. I think it's like 10 years old. But I highly recommend it. And I absolutely loved it because the theme was, it's not your fault. Food marketing, food product development, societal messaging around food, the highly processed refined carbohydrates, and the abundance of foods with added sugar are to blame for 70% of the U.S. population being overweight or obese, right? And they interviewed multiple experts in this who said, you know, willpower doesn't work. And I was just sitting there like a hype man. I was like, yes, I love this. This is the best documentary ever. Because like no one ever tells you that. Like no, you know, no one, no, no other, no weight loss, you know, groups or things like no one ever says like, oh yeah, it's like not your fault. And it's like, yes, willpower doesn't work. Finally, like someone's saying this, like some like scientists and professors and like addiction specialists are like, yeah, willpower doesn't work. I'm like, amazing. This is so great. So, and they go on to say, they're like, are human brains armed with willpower, distraction or avoidance or white knuckling things that we are always, you know, have utilized in prior attempts at losing weight. They are no match for the desire that is created when you are consistently eating a diet full of refined carbohydrates and tons of added sugar. And I just feel like that was such a relief. Like finally someone saying it's not your fault. Finally someone saying there's nothing wrong with you. Finally, the messaging isn't to the fault of the individual. It's to the fault of the system. And I just think that's so powerful. And I just want you to kind of listen to that and let it like wash over you. Like, again, there's nothing wrong with you. So then, you know, I think you couple that with the emotional connections with food, belief systems around food that are passed on to you, habitual patterns 
that you have developed deep circuits for and like, boom, you add that plus like the intense desire that you get from like your totally normally functioning human brain. And it's a vicious cycle that can be difficult to break. Now, this is the cycle that I help my clients break in coaching. And after I watched this documentary, I really wanted to learn more and explain more about why willpower doesn't work and more about the dopamine reward systems in our brains and the down and up regulation of dopamine receptors so that I could better explain this to you to help drive home the point that, again, your results are not your fault. So I, upon the recommendation from several of my other coach friends, read the book called Dopamine Nation by Dr. Anna Lemke. She is an addiction specialist, and it was absolutely fascinating. So I'm kind of going to go through some of the key points that I learned in this book. There's so much other amazing content in this book, but I think some of the things that I think were the most valuable when it comes to weight loss. So first she talks about the abundance and availability of like pleasure-creating experiences, substances, products in our world that create incredible dopamine rewards in our brains that are available in unprecedented amounts in the history of humanity. And she gives this like really great example, of course, of like how the food industry has like manipulated so many food, like the abundance of processed foods, for example. And she was like, yeah, the average like adult human in the United States consumes about 112 pounds of potatoes a year. And she was like, in 2014, 33.5 pounds of those potatoes were fresh and 78.5 were processed, right? Like that's insane. A majority of the potato consumption is processed. Like I want you to think about how many processed foods you, you may be eating or maybe were eating before. Like, that's insane. And then you add in things like porn and Netflix and sugar and alcohol and opioids and marijuana and all these things. And I'm not saying all of these things are, you know, bad. Some of them are. But they can become incredibly addictive because our human brains are wired to seek activities that increase pleasure in the form of dopamine rewards. And again, that has nothing to do with you as a person and everything to do with your brain physiology. And the overwhelming theme of this book is that like in our country, with the unprecedented amounts of wealth, freedom, technological progress and medical advancement, we appear to be more unhappy and more and in more pain than ever. This is a quote from her book. And she says, you know, the reason we're all so miserable may be because we're working so hard to avoid being miserable. Like what a dichotomy. And like, and I've alluded to this many times in my work before saying that like life is truly 50% comfort and comfortable emotions and 50% discomfort. And no one wants to live in the discomfort ever. So we seek out the dopamine to make us feel better, ultimately causing ourselves more discomfort. And as Anna Lemke says, too much pleasure leads to pain. So then she goes on to talk about the pleasure and pain balance. So when we talk about the pleasure and pain balance, we're going to talk mostly about dopamine. Okay. It's not the only neurotransmitter that's involved in reward processing, but it's probably the most important. And it is truly important for our survival, right? Like we need dopamine rewards. Like we need the pleasure from food so that we eat. Like they actually did a study with mice apparently, and they said genetically engineered mice who were unable to make dopamine will not seek out food and literally die. Like 
they will starve to death even if food is placed just like inches from their mouth because they don't have the desire from the dopamine reward to even eat that food, right? So it's important. It's important for us to like want to eat food so we can live. It's important for us to want to get pleasure from sex so we can procreate the species, right? Like it's important for us to want to be like warm and fed, right? Those all give us dopamine rewards, right? So there is a developmental um, importance around dopamine, of course. Like we need it for our survival as a human species. So when I talk about the dopamine and the rewards that are created, it's not that like we eat a piece of chocolate and we, you know, the chocolate literally gives us dopamine. It creates a cascade of events that actually release dopamine in our brains. And the more dopamine that is released pretty much determines the how addictive um, the substance is. So like this was super fascinating. Like she was they did a study on like a rat in a box and it's like if you give a rat in a box chocolate the increased basal output of dopamine in the brain goes up by 55 percent you have them have sex that's like an increase of 100 percent nicotine 150 percent cocaine 225 percent increase in basal output of dopamine and amphetamines is like a thousand percent increase in basal output of dopamine it's like a hit of amphetamine is like the equivalent of 10 orgasms, which is insane, right? Like super, super, super crazy. All right. So then she goes on to say, she's like, in your brain, the pleasure and pain areas are like co-located. And so she has this, like, she has such great pictures. Again, you guys all need to read this book. It's like on my list of books for my clients to read, Um, where it's like, you imagine like a seesaw, right? And you've got like pain on one side and pleasure on the other. When you get a bunch of pleasure from say like a cookie or something, your brain almost automatically kind of tips the scale to the other side of pain. She like uses these examples of these little gremlins to be like, okay, like if, if you're getting that much pleasure, that's like too much pleasure. We got to stop. So we got to like tip the scales to the pain side a little bit. So one of the reasons like why I think this is super interesting is like I tell my clients and I tell them all the time, I'm like, when you're eating a joy food, you're going to get the most pleasure from that food probably like the first few bites because you're again you're getting these like dopamine rewards from your from your brain and you're going to enjoy it and it's going to taste amazing at first and then here is this mechanism in your brain that is like okay well too much of this is going to cause a problem so we need to start decreasing the amount of dopamine that's coming from this now and that's part of the reason why like those first few bites are so good and they like create such a great experience for you and then after that it just goes downhill from there it's like because your brain is like okay we can't do too much of this or or we're gonna be overloaded with dopamine we gotta chill out on the response so it's almost like it tips the scales back to the back to the pain. Now here's what happens. This is what's so interesting is what happens is like we get that experience, we get that dopamine reward and then we want the exact same dopamine reward and experience again. And our brains think or we think that if we go back 
and we just keep eating the thing, that more will be better, that I'm going to keep getting that same experience over and over again. And the way that our brains work is like, that's just not true. Like that first experience is the best. And then after that, it just is going to be less and less and less and less and less. So, and I think this is experienced in so many other places, right? Like, I mean, it's like you think about people that are addicted to opiates and like they're, it's like they're chasing the dragon. Like that first high was the best high. It created the most dopamine and then your brain regulates so that it's not getting flooded with dopamine all of the time, right? So this is a process that's called neuroadaptation, which also leads to tolerance of a substance. So in so she shows these like incredibly powerful pictures of the effects of addiction on dopamine receptors. And I think this is very, very true of what happens in the brains of people who eat a lot of um, added sugar and refined carbohydrates is that in this picture, your the availability and the abundance of your dopamine receptors in like an addictive brain that has a lot of concentrated pleasure going on, depending on whatever it is that's going on. There's like no freaking dopamine receptors. There's none. There's like, there's like very, 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 very few in an addicted brain. And then in a non-addicted brain, like they took a person with addiction to something, I'm not entirely sure. And they, um, they took a picture of their brain. And then they had them stop that substance for two weeks and the dopamine receptors completely recuperated themselves. They completely um, reformed and like they came back to allow for dopamine to be back again. But like here's the significance of this, right? Like when you're addicted to a substance and you have no dopamine receptors in your brain or very few dopamine receptors in your brain comparatively to when you aren't addicted to a substance – it is hard to get pleasure from natural things, right? Because you don't really have the ability because of neuroadaptation and because of tolerance, right? You need these highly concentrated substances in order to, to create any kind of pleasure in your life, which is such a bummer. <laughs> so like, it's just, it's, it's no wonder that if you are eating a lot of refined carbohydrates and a lot of sugar that like, you're like, I love this so much. I can't stop eating this because this is like, if, if, and if I'm not having these concentrated refined carbohydrate type substances, then I'm not getting any fucking pleasure. And I need more and more and more of them, multiple meals a day and snacks and all the things in order to get that pleasure back. So this is so important and so important in the work that I do with my clients is that I do have them take a break from sugar and flour. And we like, you know, talk about how we incorporate alcohol in some of our protocols because I want their brains to get back into a natural pleasure cycle. I want their brains to be able to get pleasure from natural things because right now, they are requiring concentrated pleasures in order to experience pleasure and joy. Like that's the thing. Like when you become super addicted to these things, like you are unable to get pleasure from everyday things like looking at flowers or watching the sunrise or taking a walk. I mean, yesterday it was absolutely beautiful in Richmond and an old day like that would have been like, because I had a date day with my husband, it would have been like going to lunch and having a couple drinks and then coming back home and having a couple drinks and like, 
Instead, it was like we did go to lunch, one of our favorite lunch lunch spots. We went on like a beautiful hike. And I couldn't, I mean, I remember when I started this process and I was like, I remember like I never used to look outside and be like, oh, it's just so beautiful. Oh, the weather is so nice. Or like appreciating like natural things. And yesterday I was just like, I couldn't stop saying how gorgeous it was outside and how amazing it was that we had this beautiful weather in like the end of December here in Richmond, Virginia. And like how great it was to just like be hiking with our dog and just be outside and like get to like play in the dirt. I did a little bit of gardening and stuff. And it's like, those are the natural pleasures that we're really trying to seek. But it's impossible to actually enjoy those things. And I didn't even have brain space available because I was so worried about getting the concentrated pleasures from other things like alcohol, refined carbohydrates, sugar, that kind of stuff. Um, This was another thing that I read in her book that I thought was super interesting. And it's a section she calls people, places, and things when it comes to certain substances. And I think this is a phenomenon that happens with a lot of my busy moms and healthcare clients, because like, like I want you to imagine, and this was me. Okay. Like I would come home and I would not even really be hungry, but I would come home and I would be cued like in my brain to like the, just the, just the opening of the door, just like the key unlocking cue to my brain. I was hungry. Like I needed something, right? Because I was so used to going home, getting a snack from the refrigerator, again, whether or not I was hungry or not, taking a moment, eating. And so she shows this experiment with like these rats and where they, it's like they hear, they see a light, which would be the equivalent of me coming home and opening the the door. And they get this initial anticipation of dopamine, which causes this little spike of dopamine. It's like, oh, like I know when I see this light or I know for me, like when I open this door, I'm going to go get a snack. Like that's just what I'm used to doing. That's what my brain has been conditioned to do. So it gives this little bump of dopamine. And then when it doesn't immediately come, you get this dopamine crash that's below baseline. So you start to feel kind of shitty. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. I really need to go get this dopamine. And so then it shows this like little rat, like approach, approaching the button to like actually get whatever like cheese or reward it is going to get. And then it, the, the, the dopamine slowly increases. It approaches the button. It pushes the button. The dopamine slowly increases. And then the rat gets a big injection of cocaine <laughs> and the dopamine spikes. And it's the same thing for me, right? Like I like, I get close to the, I, I open the door I put down my stuff. My dopamine is now increasing from that initial crash. I'm like walking over to the refrigerator. It's getting higher. It's getting higher. And then before you know it, boom, I'm opening up a jar of frosting or I'm getting into a thing of cookie dough or I'm opening up a thing of peanut butter. And I am like getting my dopamine surge. And I think this is such a interesting relational pattern to break for so many of us because we develop these dopamine reward release circuits in relation to our habitual patterns and what we typically do. And so, you know, so many of my clients have that issue with that 3 p.m., 4 p.m., I just got home, I haven't gotten the kids yet, or I just got home and I have the kids and it's snack time and this is just what I usually do 
and getting breaking that cycle of of that you know situation because again they're always like I'm not really hungry it's just like what I do and like the idea of not doing it is so devastating because they get that dopamine crash that occurs after they open the door after they walk through the the threshold with their kids because they're so used to getting that dopamine again I promise like you can break that cycle you just have to create situations for yourself where you're like, I'm actually not going to follow through with this. And when your brain learns something new and doesn't have that exact same, you know, reward cycle in relation to the place and the timing and the thing that's going on in your life, it will go back into a normal, a normal cycle. Okay. So with this information, it's like, it makes really good sense why I tell my clients to take a break from sugar and flour for a little while or to utilize it and we incorporate it in the form of Joy Eats in a very like controlled way, kind of the way that she talks about like this concept of self-binding. If you read this book, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, just to get back into that natural pleasure cycle. And I hope that this podcast so far has kind of taught you a little bit more about that kind of like a reader's digest version of this of this amazing book to help you understand why it's so important um but then like here's the thing so we do that and so for and again for I've said this before for a lot of people you might just like lose weight and you'll just be done and you'll be fine because again once you are in the natural pleasure cycle just in this in the relationship of dopamine and your um, insulin and leptin and ghrelin and all of your hormones are balanced out, um, which I've talked about before. Like your brain, you're going to be able to listen to your brain to tell you when you're hungry, to stop when you've been satisfied. Um, but then, even then, you are still going to be left with, right? Like that is like in and of itself, very effective and very helpful, but you're still going to be left with all the thoughts and desire that lead to the desire to want to, again, eat emotionally, habitually eat the behavioral patterns that you've developed potentially. And, um, the belief systems that have kind of been passed down to you, like all of those things are still going to be going on in the background. And like, she's, it's interesting because she's like, I find that with my clients, she's like, you know, 20% of them, they like t get a dopamine fast from whatever substance it is or whatever activity, dopamine rewarding activity it is that they're engaging in. And then still, what did she say? She was like 20% still don't feel better. And that's important because it tells them that the drug wasn't the main driver of the pain or the, of the lack of pain or of the, what am I trying to say, of the too much pleasure and inability to feel natural pleasure and then too much pain situation, if that makes sense. So I'm not sure that it does uh, or that I explained it right, but I'm just going to keep moving on. So there's that, right? So like there's, of course, during this dopamine fast, there is going to be a period where you're going to feel worse potentially before you get better once you get into this dopamine fast. But then we also have to solve for the concurrent issues that might be also be going on underneath the um, the brain dysregulation that's going on. And that right there is what we do in coaching, right? Like so many of us 
use these dopamine substances as and behaviors to like distract ourselves from our own thoughts, she says. And she's like, when we first stop using dopamine to escape, those painful thoughts, those painful emotions and sensations then come crashing down on you. And I've said this before, like the truth of your life is revealed to itself, right? And the trick is to, she says, the trick is to stop running away from painful emotions and instead allow ourselves to tolerate them. And I know this is like, if you've been listening to me for a while, this is nothing new, but she's like, the overwhelming theme of this book is like, let's learn to tolerate a little bit of pain. Like, let's learn to tolerate the pain that we're supposed to experience in our life, the emotional pain, even physical pain in some cases. Um, Let's learn to tolerate that and be more comfortable with that and stop trying to run away from it so much. So once you've taken a break from sugar and flour for a while and you're eating it kind of with this like in this joy way that I teach my clients to do, you know, at the end of the program, my clients are always just like, well, do I need to eat like this forever? Like what's this is? And it's like, this is where we kind of experiment with it. We kind of say, okay, like we're doing it. We're going to add it back in. Like maybe with a little bit more frequency than we did when we were losing the weight, especially if you've hit maintenance. But we're going to have to do it in a way that's very controlled and in the way that we did it initially with our, um, like with the way that we pretty much, we approach food entirely. It's like in a controlled way, we're going to experiment with it. We're going to see what works, what doesn't work, and what helps you stay at like this happy place where you want to be and like right now in my world like I probably eat I probably have some like maybe a couple glasses of wine a week or a couple of beers a week and I probably have like two I mean mean, even honestly maybe like three things with flour or sugar in them but honestly at the most of the time I just feel better when I'm not eating those things I feel better from like a bloat blood sugar stability um, resting indigestion standpoint when I'm not eating refined carbohydrates or sugar. Refined carbohydrates are really like the the tricky thing for me, like breads and pizzas and things like that. I don't really do, but like things like um, ice cream, I would say that would be like my number one thing of things and alcohol, my number one thing of things that I would like go after or be, be incorporate into my life with some control. So like that is like the piece that people are always asking about. It's like, well, if I want to get my brain regulated, like, what is that going to be like when I've hit maintenance? And like, if I want to add those things back in and people are scared, but I'm like, no, 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 we're going to figure this out. We're going to experiment. We're going to do this in the exact same way we did it when we were losing weight. And it's going to be phenomenal. Guys, I was going to do like so much more stuff in this book. There is just so much great information again in this book by Anna Lemke. And I hope I'm saying her last name right. And I'm not sure that I am called Dopamine Nation. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, There's just so much more information about like prefrontal cortex planning and like delayed gratification and um, what else is in here? Like I've just got just pages and pages of like notes that I've written on how amazing this book is and all the incredible things that she talks about in here. And it's just going to be way too much to talk about. Oh, wait, I do want to talk about this one thing. So here is like the other fun thing about all this. 
So I'm really, before I finish this podcast, she talks about the idea of actually getting dopamine rewards from pain, right? And one of the most clear examples you can think about is like the, um, like exercising, for example, or like, you know, I, you know, my stance on exercise and weight loss, but it's like you exercise to get that endorphin release, that dopamine reward afterwards, right? It's like, you know, it's coming. It's like, it's like you have to tolerate the pain in order to feel the euphoria for later, like when runners get like a runner's high. And she was even talking about this concept of like ice baths. She was like, they, they, they tested blood levels of dopamine and norepinephrine in people that like did those big ice plunges and afterwards, and which is like horribly painful and wildly uncomfortable, right? But because they were experiencing the pain, again, we talk about the pain pleasure balance because their brains, they were experiencing so much pain their um when they tested their blood samples dopamine concentrations increased by 250% and plasma norepinephrine concentrations increased by 530% as a result of cold water immersion right so it's almost like taking the case of like feeling that pain in order to get that pleasure and so like then she was having some of these some of her clients and patients were like wanting to do these ice baths all the time because when they would experience that pain they would get that overwhelming pleasure isn't that crazy like our human brains are just so fascinating so anyway okay now I am going to stop talking because I think I this podcast is going to be way too long and I just really want you guys to read this book because it's so fascinating again this is our brain we can get control over our brain. We can get our brains into a natural pleasure cycle. We can enjoy wonderful things in life. We can also tolerate discomfort. And we can tolerate uncomfortable emotions. And we can live in like this natural pleasure balance. And that is where I help my clients get to in coaching. Not only dealing with this from like a physiologic standpoint, but also from a uh, new circuit generation like way of coaching in order to get their brains into a different place so that they're not they have more control over food they're not emotionally eating we get a grasp on some of the habitual things that are going on some belief systems and we change it so that we're just we're really eating food for the natural pleasure that it gives us for fuel for our bodies and we're living the life that we live in this natural balance so All right, friends. Thank you so much for listening. I know these podcasts are kind of lengthy sometimes. You are amazing. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Weight Loss for Busy CRNA Moms. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes. And if you like what I shared today, you should also check out weightlossbybrittany.com for even more great weight loss tips, some of my favorite recipes and mindset tools that I use to lose 40 pounds. Once there, you can also book a free consultation with me, Brittany Kolb, your certified life and weight loss coach. <laughs>